Let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, as we come before you, may we recognize that uh, you are in control of everything. And as we look to a new year, help us to focus on what's most important. We are so grateful for your faithfulness in our lives, in the ministry of this church throughout 2022, and we look forward to your hand in 2023. Help us to be diligent in serving you. Help us to be faithful in in sharing the gospel and, and living lives that represent you well. And Lord, we know that anything that we do and all of our needs are completely in your hands. And we trust you and ask that you guide and direct us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So next week, we will be back to two services. And so 9 and 10.30. So uh, just uh, let you know, remind you about that. And again, it's good to see you here this morning as we celebrate the Lord together. So how many people here make New Year's resolutions? And this isn't a right or wrong answer, but uh, people make New Year's resolutions, some of you do, okay. Uh, How many of you say, why make a New Year's, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand on this one, but uh, you know, why make a New Year's resolution because you're just gonna break them within the first 24 hours to 24 days anyway? Don't raise your hand on that one. And, uh, you know, I, I like looking ahead and, and planning uh, and, uh, and setting goals. Uh, growing up in sports, your coaches always had the thing, you know, the sayings, if you aim at the stars and you miss, you'll end up pretty high anyway, or, uh, you know, aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time and things like that, those famous uh, quotes about setting goals and accomplishing tasks. Whether you set New Year's resolutions or not, it's important to recognize that we need to do things that really make a difference. I hope your goal in 2023 is not simply survival. Made it through another year but rather challenging yourselves and us as a church, challenging ourselves as a church family. What, what are we going to do to impact our community and our world for Jesus Christ? In Luke chapter 9, we find Jesus having a, a time, a discussion with the disciples. And it, in, it begins with a very interesting question that Jesus poses and ends with a challenge of what it really means to be a disciple of Christ. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 18, follow along as I read, it says, And it happened as he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, what do, or Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God, or as the book of Matthew says, the Son of God. And he strictly warned them, commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. 
Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it, is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? This discussion, this dialogue between Jesus and the disciples begins with a very important foundation. The foundation that, that each and every one of us must ask ourselves, who is this Jesus? And our answer to that question is going to affect our lives in ways that we can't even picture. So he begins with this question, who is Jesus? And he starts by, who do the crowds say that I am? You see, if we believe that Jesus is anyone other than God Himself, God's Son taking on human flesh, our faith has no foundation. So Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? They, the disciples uh, responded with some of the answers they had heard. John the Baptist, Elijah, or another one of the prophets raised from the dead. Now all three of those answers are very fascinating answers, and our goal this morning is not to, uh, to dissect those answers, but the, the first one is very interesting to me. John the Baptist. Some people said it's John the Baptist. He's raised again from the dead, and, and Herod had some issues with John the Baptist, Herod's wife, and, and had some issues, and so John the Baptist was martyred for his faith. Uh, the daughter danced uh, for Herod, and Herod said, I, what can I give you? And she said, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so we see that many of the people were haunted by by this, including Herod himself. And, and so they said, well, it must be John the Baptist rise from the dead. Now that's fascinating because many of these people had seen John the Baptist and Jesus together. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, he was the one who came and introduced the Savior. And then he was the one who baptized Jesus. Jesus being baptized is an example for us to follow in that step of obedience. But even though they had seen the two together, some people were saying, well, this must be John the Baptist risen from the dead. Made no sense when you look at it logically. But whoever many people thought that Jesus was, Jesus asked a second question. He said, but who do you say that I am? And we see Peter's response in Luke 9 verse 20. He said, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Peter, who often spoke without thinking, oftentimes put his foot in his mouth, this time was spot on. You are the Messiah. You're the promised one. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis described the dilemma over who is Jesus Christ. And the way that C.S. Lewis and others have, have described it, it's that he is either Lord, a liar, or a lunatic. 
Because Jesus Himself said, I and My Father are one. I am the promised one. I am God's Son. Come to this earth. Sacrifice My life for your sins. So if you believe He was just a good teacher, you're missing the point. Jesus Christ did not come just to simply teach us how to live better. He came to give His life as a ransom for our sins, the payment for our sins, so that we could have eternal life through our faith and trust in Him. So is He Lord? Is He God in human flesh? Or is He a liar? When He, he said He was, and if He's not, obviously He's a liar. He's a lunatic. He's just out of His mind. You've got to have one of those three answers if you really break it down. And Peter got it right. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we have looked for. But think about this foundation. If you're here this morning or if you're watching online and you say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son who came to this earth to die for my sins, how is it affecting your life? It should have a drastic effect on the way you live. Our response to Him as Lord needs to be a response of obedience following Him. And then we see in verse 22 that Jesus gives His own example. And He shares what's going to take place in the next little while in His life. Something that the disciples could not comprehend. Luke 9.22 says this, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. You see, the disciples thought that He would come and reign. However, God had a much different plan. It wasn't a time for for Jesus to come and wear a crown. It was the time for Him to come and bear the cross. One day in the future, He will come again and He will come in, in glory and reign. But He came as we celebrated this last week. He came to this earth the first time in order to come to pay the payment for our sins to die on a cross for us. And the disciples weren't getting that. They were were just waiting for for Jesus Christ to, to step out on high and to wipe out the Romans and they would have victory over their enemies. But Jesus had a much different plan. As I mentioned, He didn't come to wear a crown. He came to bear a cross. He came of His own will and He sacrificed for us. Philippians chapter 2, who says, who being in the form of God did not think it robbery, something to hold on to to be equal with God, but, but gave that up. He made Himself of no reputation. Took on the form of a human being and became a servant and took the most horrible death. Death on a cross for us. But He is our example to follow. Just like He gave up His will, our challenge as His followers, as His disciples, is to give up our will to follow God. And so in verses 23-25, through we see the action that we're, we're called to take. 
Verse 23 lays it out. Luke 9.23 says, Then He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. Three parts to what this looks like to follow Christ, to be His disciple. The first one is to deny. Deny ourselves. You see, if I come after Christ, I cannot put myself in the forefront. I cannot be self-centered as a disciple of Christ because it's not about me. But we hear it all the time, don't we? Look out for number one. Better take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to do it, so you better. Or how about this one? Before you love others, you must love yourself. That almost sounds like a proverb, doesn't it? But God has us look at it totally differently. We're to deny ourselves. We are to deliberately put Christ in first place in everything. C.S. Lewis also wrote, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. But boy, it's hard not to think of myself. What, what's best for me? But it's not about me. So I must deny myself. And the second part of this action that, that Jesus challenges the disciples and us to is that we take up, we take up our cross. What does it mean to take up your cross? When a person was crucified, they were to carry the cross, the cross beam of the cross to the crucifixion. They would walk through the streets as a way of, as a, as a humiliation. They wanted to humiliate that one being crucified. You see, when I take up my cross, it is a willing act of humiliation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, when Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. The end result of taking up the cross is death. Whenever someone there in the Roman Empire who, who would take up their cross, they knew in the very new future what was going to take place in their life. <laughs> and that's that they would, be, that they would die. And it was such a humiliating and painful death that, that the Romans wouldn't even allow a Roman citizen to be crucified because it was inhumane. Now, now the people of, of the groups of, of peoples that they had conquered, yes, but not a Roman citizen. But Jesus is challenging the disciples and challenging us to take up our cross. To willingly die to my will, to die to my desires in order to follow Him. As I deny myself and as I take up my cross daily, that's what it means to follow. The verb follow is in the present tense, which means a continuous action. A continuous action of obeying Christ. I've put aside my own will. I've put aside my own desires and I choose each and every day that I'm going to follow Christ. That's what my focus must be. It's not about me. It's all about Him. It's not about me. I've got to deny myself. I've got to take up my cross daily. Daily. 
It's all about Him. It's about following Christ. Now, we often attempt to downplay the cost of following Christ, don't we? So, well, just, you know, if you just, just do these things and, and, and you can appease God. Guess what? That's not what God asked for. God asked for all of us, every single part of my life. But we try to, we try to soft sell it. I remember reading a story about a, uh, from a missionary and he was uh, walking through this local market. And, and there was a sign above one of the little stands there in the local market and it said, Cheap Crosses. They were having a sale on crosses that day. And I remember reading the missionary, I can't even remember who it was, but the missionary saying, there's no such thing as a cheap cross. God wants it all. As we follow Him. I put aside my own will, my own desires, and I, des- and I choose to daily follow Christ. And then we see in verses 24 and 25 a a little picture of the choice that we have to make. The commitment that we're called to give. Verses 24 and 25 says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? You see, boy, that that seems hard. God's asking for all of me. But the benefits far outweigh the sacrifice. The eternal benefits, as I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But the daily benefits as I daily choose to obey and follow Him. You may be familiar with the story of Jim Elliott. He was a missionary to the Aka Indians. He and four other guys. And in, in 1949 in his journal, he, he wrote a statement that they later found. It says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Now, little did Jim Elliot know that he was going to live out that statement. And that statement, the foundation from Luke chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. Whoever gives up his life for God's sake will gain it, and whoever tries to keep it is himself destroyed or lost. So Jim Elliot, that was in 1949 as he was finishing Bible college. And he and and four other guys uh, had a heart for these Indians, the Aka Indians. They had never been reached with the gospel. And and one of the the men, I believe it was Nate Saint, was a pilot. And they would go and and they started by just dropping gifts down along the edge of the river there, South America, for for these Indians, these Aka Indians, to try to build a relationship. And finally the day came when they were actually going to land and try to meet these Indians. 
January 8th, 1956. The South American tribe. But as they landed and the Akas came out, they killed all five. They didn't even get a chance to share the gospel. And you'd say, what a waste. Five young men that gave their lives with no results. Well, the amazing story is, including some of their relatives, others were able to later come and share the gospel. And many of those people from that tribe turned their life to Jesus Christ. But Jim Elliott got it right. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, Jim Elliott recognized that serving Christ has lasting value. You may be here today and you're saying, okay, I'm looking forward to a new year and, and, and what are my goals? What am I looking forward to? And you may say, you know, I, yeah, I'll, I'll give God parts of my life. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to do some good deeds to appease God. But I have these other things in my life that, I'm not going to say it out loud, but really are more important. And so God can have a part, but I'm going to hold on to these other things. That's not what God's asking for. It's not a soft sell, it's not a cheap cross. He's simply asking for all of you, every part. So as we look forward to 2023, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I gonna let God have all of me? And if that's our goal and desire, it leads to a second question that I'd like us to finish with today. How can I spend my time on things that count? What am I going to do that will really make a difference in this world? And a difference for God's kingdom. And so we're going to spend a, just a, a few minutes this morning giving each one of us a chance to reflect. To thank God for his provision in our lives over the last year, but also to seek him out in what he would have for us to do for him in 2023. In just a minute, John Bushnell, one of our elders, is going to come and pray for God's hand and direction in our church family, in our church ministry, our church impact over this next year because it's truly God's work and God's power and it's for God's glory.
But before I have him come, I'd like us just to take a couple minutes and to silently go before God as individuals, each one of us, to ask that question of ourselves, am I giving God everything? And then also to ask God to give us direction and insight on how we can truly make an impact for him in 2023. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for for your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we're grateful for your faithfulness in our church. Lord, help each one of us to honestly examine ourselves. Lord, help us to, to give up our own will, our own desires to deny ourselves. Lord, help us to take up our cross daily, to die to self in order to live for you and help us to follow you. We are so grateful for the, for the benefits of being your disciples. And Lord, as we look forward to a new year, may we be faithful servants. May we glorify you in the way we live, the behaviors we demonstrate, the character we display. And we will give you the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.